Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Saw Something Scary. Derek Zhu here alongside me as always is the man voted second runner-up in the Sexiest Man Alive category for People magazine, Jeff Wright. Jeffrey, how are we doing today, buddy? I'd be really excited about that victory, and I appreciate you mentioning of it. Of course. But freaking Blake Shelton, how right. did I lose to that guy? I have no idea. I voted for you. Well, thank you. I mean, People magazine called me, and they said, Blake Shelton, Jeff Wright. I said, Jeff Wright all the way. I'm kind of insulted that people had to pose it as a question. Sure. I completely understand. At least he cut the mullet, though, right? Well, okay. <laughs> Is he still Blake Shelton? Yeah, he okay. is. He is. That's that's the bad part. So uh, today we are going a little off the beaten path. We're not doing uh, we're not doing a popular movie. We're not doing even a movie that has uh, has come out yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, this comes out tomorrow, uh, November the twenty second. And when you say popular, I just want to specify that we mean not a wide release. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's probably what I should say. Thank you very much for clarifying that. Uh, no, we're talking about a movie from Shaker Productions called Killer Christmas independent horror movie that uh, Jeff and I had the pleasure of watching uh, over the week and uh, very excited about that. But before we get into it, let's talk about everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. So, hey man, I've got several for you here. Uh, I'm just going to go down through. Let's first talk about the Deadpool 2 teaser. Have you, did you see anything about it? Did not. Okay. So, it is uh, It's a spoof off Bob Ross. So, okay. Deadpool is dressed up like Bob Ross. He's doing a painting. And in between him doing watercolors and stuff, you see several snippets of the trailer. So it was, it was cool. I thought it was really fun. Um, I know that that's a movie that you're probably going to go see. I know it's a movie that I'm definitely going to go see. So I don't know. You you enjoyed the first Deadpool? I enjoyed the parts of the first Deadpool that I watched. Yeah. I was there was say. a significant chunk that I had been warned about. Yeah. And I had to avoid. Um, I get why that's how they think the character story has to be told. Sure. I don't feel like I have to consume that. And so, yeah, I enjoyed what I saw. Yeah. Um, Ryan Reynolds was born to play that part. Yeah. And so it's a perfect wedding between character and actor. Uh, and I'm sure that there'll still be stuff in the second one that I will have to not watch, but I will probably see chunks of it as well. So I watched that with my uncle, uh, who's like a deacon at his church, huh. and my cousin, who at that time was 17. Huh. Yeah. Uh, none what of was us, the awkward none, factor on None that. of us knew. None of us knew what was going oh, on. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, we knew it was going to be, like, profanity-laced and stuff. But it was weird. Like, we actually just ran into each other at the movie theater. Like, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like a, hey, let's go watch this thing. But it was, holy smokes, this movie theater's packed. Hey, there's my uncle and my cousin. I'm going to go sit with them and watch this movie. Oh, we're going to go through all the holidays? Oh, fantastic. This is great. This is exactly how you want to watch this movie for the first time. going to sink farther and farther into this chair. So, completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, I I love the movie. I thought you were right about that. Ryan Reynolds was born to play Deadpool. Um, so, I'll definitely be watching this one again. Probably will wait to see... If your uncle's available yeah, to watch it with you. Yeah. If he'll fly out to Branson, come watch this movie with me. Maybe bring his pastor. That'd be great. We'll just have a fun time. So, all right. Deadpool 2 coming out sometime next year. Uh, let's go with this one. Small Town Crime. Uh, alcoholic ex-cop finds the body of a young woman and through an act of self-redemption becomes hell-bent on finding the killer, but unwittingly puts his family in danger and gets caught up with several dark characters along the way. Ethan Hawke, Octavia Spencer star. This is a movie? Yeah. It sounds like a Netflix series. I'm pretty sure it's a movie. Let me double check. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm just saying that would make for a killer like eight-parter. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, I'll totally watch that. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's a movie. Uh, and it comes out on... That can't be right. Do we get a time machine? It says it came, came out on March 11th. 
but I don't know. Hmm. It is November, right? It's November 2017. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. It, yeah, the IMDb says March 11th, 2017 when it came out. Uh, it was at the South by Southwest Film Festival when it came out. So maybe it's going to be out in theaters later on this year or gotcha. direct DVD. I'm not sure. Yeah. Sounds like a great little premise, though, right? Oh, yeah. I'll totally watch yeah, it. Yeah, Love sure. that stuff. So, all right, cool. Uh, we'll go to Dark. Um, family saga with a supernatural twist set in a German town where the disappearance of two young children exposes the relationship among four families. It'll be out December 1st on Netflix. Yes, sir. Yeah. Sign me up. Add it to my list. As long as it's not all in German. You know, I have I have been pleasantly surprised in the horror movies I've watched that are subtitled. Mm-hmm. Thinking about The Wailing. Uh, what else? Noroi, The Curse, J-Horror thing. I can I can handle that okay. okay. Even if it's German, I, I can enjoy reading my way through a horror movie. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Okay. Hostiles, or hostiles, excuse me, hostiles. In 1892, a legendary army captain reluctantly agrees to escort a Cheyenne chief and his family through dangerous territory. Sure. It's a Western. It's a thriller. Rosamund Pike, Pike stars. She was in Gone Girl. But here's the kicker for you. The star of the movie, Christian Bale. Okay. Uh, done and done. Yeah. Did you, you saw 310 to Yuma, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Such a great movie. Saw the original and the remake. Yeah. I love the remake with him and Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. Such a great movie. So I'm telling you, man, I'm a mark for uh, for westerns. I we we really one of these days are going to have to cover Bone Tomahawk on here. Not traditional horror, but uh, it kind of scratches both my love for westerns and my love for horror. Okay, we really ought to watch that. Sure, sometime. man. Sounds good to me. All right, two more. A Quiet Place. Uh, there's no synopsis known for it, but it stars John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Uh, Krasinski will also be directing this. Uh, it's a uh, horror thriller. Uh, I saw the teaser trailer right before we started recording. It looks really good. I'm very interested. It doesn't really give much details about anything, but horror movie, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, husband and wife, teaming up. So I heard about this, and that piqued my interest enough that I will probably not only watch the movie, but I'll watch the trailer, too. Okay. Those aren't people I would assume would be, like, great at horror, but I've enjoyed them in other stuff enough to go, okay, I'll give you a shot. Sure. And so I'm really interested to watch the trailer, let alone the movie. Yeah, for sure on that. Um, so that, and I think that comes out sometime next year. I think that's right. Yeah. Like, I think March is when it comes out. So that'll be good. And then finally, man, and, and full disclosure, we just sat and watched this trailer. Strangers 2, Pray at Night. I'm pumped. That's one of the best trailers for a horror movie I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, of course, it's fresh. So yeah. that's coming off the top of my head. But I've been kind of running through it. And that's like a legit scary trailer. Uh, the movie looks great. I can't wait. Also a March release, right? Yes. Hey, come on. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Christmas does, comes in March. Absolutely. Doesn't give any plot points away. Just good old-fashioned people in masks chasing teenagers. With an appropriately creepy song playing. Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. I recommend, you know, for, for horror fans... I realize there are people whose conscience won't let them watch that kind of stuff. If you're a horror fan, I'd go watch that trailer right now. I'll probably watch the trailer again. So. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll try to put that up on our social media um, between now and when this releases. So, good deal. All right, man. That was Jeff H. Trailers. Let's go right into th- this week's so bad news to start with in this week's Horror Reporter. Boom, 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 boom. Did you know we almost got a Jason vs. Freddy video game? What? Yeah, so this was supposed to be a companion piece to the Jason vs. Freddy movie. Okay. It was going to come out on PlayStation 2 and Dreamcast, which, hey, shout out to Dreamcast. <laughs> and a friend of the show, Jared Moore, who bought a Dreamcast when we lived together in college. Uh-huh. And I still love games on that platform. 
So it was also going to come out on PC. Eventually, the Dreamcast went the way of the Dodo, and the Xbox was considered as a replacement, but the title ended up dying. So what we found out uh, about this book, this comes from Bloody Disgusting, by the way. They dug this out of Dustin McNeil's book, Slash of the Titans, which is about the history of Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. Here's what we would have gotten. The title was going to be Hell Unbound, and the story was going to pick up directly after the end of Jason Goes to Hell. So the player would go uh, and select either Freddy or Jason, where they would meet Death itself, and would sh- who uh, Death would show them a vision of the world that would come to pass if either one of them made it out of hell. Okay. Right? So Freddy basically becomes in the real world what he was in the dream world if he makes it out of hell. Jason destroys everything and makes this post-apocalyptic landscape, right? But only one of them can get out. Okay. So it becomes a race between the two characters. And since it was set in hell, you'd be fighting demons and this, that, and the other, right? Basically, the reason it didn't come out is that the movie got held up in production purgatory for so long. Really? That the video game died. Golly, man. That's why we can't have nice things. I reckon. Thanks a lot, Hollywood. Jeez. So, yeah. Sad news. I'd still like to play a Jason vs. Freddy uh, game. Boo! Yeah, me too. The nice note is that I'm, I think the most recent Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. uh, I own, and I just don't know which Roman numeral follows the title. You can play as several of the classic horror m- monsters, and you can kind of do it in a Street Fighter Mortal Kombat style one-on-one confrontation. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually played as Jason and got my butt kicked by a kid who was playing as Scorpion. No. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was still fun to play as Jason. That was fun. And of course, you can still play the Friday the 13th game. Freddy's not in that, but it's still an awesome, awesome video game. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Actually, I still never have. Uh, speaking of horror video games, I did play a PlayStation 4 title called Hidden Agenda. Okay. Came from the uh, Massive Studios people who gave us Until Dawn. I think I've talked about anticipating it yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Really good. Okay. Not the longest storyline I've ever played through. Totally recommend playing it with as many people as you can. Like, I'd get five or six people with me. Uh, you use your smartphone, but it's well worth the cost of purchase. Okay. Just FYI. Awesome. So more good news uh, coming out of the It world from Muschietti. We've gotten a release date on the Blu-ray. Okay. And we have found out that it will contain 11 deleted and extended scenes. Holy smokes, man. So it's going to get digital HD release first, like everything does. You'll also then be able to get it on 4K Blu-ray, Blu-ray, and DVD. Shout out to DVD hanging on. Um, they're going to push it out past the holiday season, which surprises me. I thought they might make some Christmas money off yeah, of it. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, well, I say that. You'll be able to get the HD digital version on December 19th. But if you want a physical copy, it'll be January 9th for that. Here's what we know about the special features. You'll have Pennywise Lives, which tells us how Bill Skarsgård prepared to portray the primordial creature known as Pennywise, the dancing clown. You will get a feature on the Losers Club, which gets us up close and personal with the teenage stars of it as they bond together during the production. Okay. We will get a section on Stephen King called Author of Fear, where the author reveals the roots of his best-selling novel, The Nature of Childhood Fear, and how he created his most famous monster, Pennywise. Okay. And then the money that everybody's looking for is the 11 deleted scenes or extended scenes from the film. So Collider gave us that bit of information and I'm looking forward to January 9th. And Muschietti said that it was going to be like, what, 30 minutes of additional footage or something like that? Yeah. I wonder if there will be a director's Kind of like that. cut in the disc or if you know I've read some people online saying that this looks like a paltry release for a movie as big as it maybe they're going to trot out a second edition that's der- the director's cut that could be speaking of cool blu-rays coming out yeah third item here on the horror reporter Criterion is releasing Night of the Living Dead on blu-ray in February okay and maybe closer to your own heart they're also releasing an update of their Silence of the Lamps edition nice say it again that's awesome um 
They're also releasing an update of their Silence of the Lambs edition. Okay, great. So you get in both of them a new 4K digital restoration. In Night of the Living Dead, uh, their restoration was overseen by Romero, I guess before, or obviously before his death. Uh, but also they involved the co-screenwriter Russo, sound engineer Steiner, and producer uh, Striner. They're redoing the soundtrack that also Romero oversaw. Um, you get a never-before-seen work print edition of the film called Night of Anubis. Okay. So fans are excited about that. Uh, Silence of the Lamb gets a similar 4K digital restoration. Uh, they get their soundtrack updated again. Um there's audio commentary dating back to 94 with Demi Foster, Hopkins, uh, screenwriter Ted Talley, former FBI agent John Douglas. Nice. There's a new interview with Maitland McDonough and then 35 minutes of deleted scenes, which we've probably seen, but you know, you'll get it all in the criterion package that we've come to see as sort of the best version possible of these films. This is the Love Ya Soap edition. And criterion is usually you know, kind of can be expected to have a flash sale mm-hmm. sometime around the holidays or just after. Okay. And both of these should be available for purchase in that flash sale. So if you want to grab one, uh, kind of keep your ears peeled uh, looking for those flash sales because you can get these for pretty decent prices. I do want to grab one or both. Well, if I see it, I'll text you. If you see it, you text me and we'll deal. We'll make some purchases. That works for me. Uh, last bit of news, best bit of news here. <laughs> Amen to that. It writer pinning Are You Afraid of the Dark movie for Paramount? Woo! I knew that would hit you in the field spot. Pumped. It's coming, man. Let me, let me read you the synopsis because I think you'll like the way they're handling it, too. Okay. Uh, this comes from trackingboard.com. Paramount Players is gathering around the campfire for a feature adaptation of the beloved Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Hiring red-hot horror scribe Gary Doberman to, to pin the script. So he wrote Annabelle. Maybe not the finest work. Right. But he also wrote Annabelle Creation, It, and then the forthcoming in July 2018, The Nun, which is the next Conjuring Universe film. Holy smokes, man. He's also doing something in the horror realm with New Line called The Children, but I don't know much about it other than they've they've done some casting. Okay. Uh, Matt Kaplan will produce the movie. They're not giving us any plot de- details right now, but this is what I thought was cool. Paramount Players is a new division at Paramount Pictures that is led by Awesomeness founder Brian Robbins. In a June statement, Paramount Chief Jim Giannopoulos said the Paramount Players would focus in distinctive ways on contemporary talent and properties for young audiences while drawing upon the vast resources of the Viacom brands. Okay. That sounds like just who you want doing a Are You Afraid of the Dog? Yeah, absolutely. Like they're going to aim it at a younger audience still. Yeah. Uh, I'm totally cool with that, and I will totally watch it unashamedly. So are we going to be the oldest people in the theater watching this movie? Yeah, but I've got like so many kids. We can surely grab one to like make it cool that we're there watching it with a bunch of children. Yeah, good call. All right. I like Uh, it. But yeah, good for them for saying like younger people like horror too. Yeah. And the thing about Are You Afraid of the Dark is that it didn't shy away or make goofy scary stuff. Right. Uh, They went for hard scares. Yeah. And so I'm just glad to hear Paramount saying, we're going to do this as a, you know, a division of our company. Yeah, man. Cool, man. That's, that's really awesome. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm, you put, are you afraid of the dark in there and I'm pumped. So, well, you know, we've kind of gotten onto, I think Paramount for missing the boat on the Friday the 13th. Yeah. Update, right? Yeah, good call. But in the age of Stranger Things and It, this is exactly the time to be trotting out a property aimed at younger people with yeah. uh, interest in the horror genre. So good for them. Yeah. They really grabbed the cash cow when she's fresh. Yeah, know? for sure. Completely agree with that. Uh, pumped about it. Uh, the only thing I'm disappointed in is that I'm not young enough to be one of the guys sitting around the campfire with the Midnight Society. That would be that'd be a dream. Well, you need to find 
behind the Mizuzu Ashikiani, get on that procreation train, <laughs> and then the younger rights and the younger Zu Ashikianis can start that here. But I like that. I mean, I still, I still will feel a twinge of jealousy. I mean, but it, it's it's a time honored tradition to live through your children. Is it? Yeah. I mean, okay. we we won't be like um, soccer moms. Yeah. Or we'll uh, just be horror dads. What what horror dads? That toxic like um, beauty competition culture. We we'll, won't we'll be that either. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be the horror dads. I like it. Like, why weren't you more scared? <laughs> Jump! Jump now! What's wrong with you? Hey, I've got something to add to the horror reporter this week. Uh, something I found pretty cool on birthmoviesdeath.com. Okay. Steven Soderbergh secretly shot a horror movie on his iPhone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So get ready for a movie called Unsane, U-N-S-A-N-E, starring Juno Temple, uh, in a wide release on March 23rd, 2018. Oh, okay. Well, hey, March is going to be great. Yeah. So Juno Temple, Jay Farrow, and Amy Mullins are all in this. Cool. Jay yeah. Farrow. I'm yeah. really surprised. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'll totally check that out. Yeah, it's not um, not much is known about it besides that, but just the fact that Soderbergh shot it on his iPhone, I thought is uh, unbelievable. I've mentioned here before, I'm one of the last remaining property holders on Found Footage Island. But hey, if a guy like that is finding usefulness for the the genre, I, I'm I'll show up to see what he does with it for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. And uh, you know, the good news is is that we'll have a whole month full of March or March full of stuff to talk about. I'm gonna limber up my movie pass card right now. Definitely. You need to check about MoviePass because I've heard some different things about it. Like they're going to raise prices and things of that nature. So Wouldn't be surprised. Boo. Enjoying it while it lasts. Yeah, might as well. All right, man. Is right, it that time? Re- yeah, that, that brings us to the end. This has been this week's so let's pull the curtain on 2017's Killer Christmas, which by the time this episode drops is only days away from release. Yeah, one day away from release. So this will drop on the 21st, and they are dropping that on the 22nd on every major streaming platform, aren't they, except for maybe Netflix? It is. So I was okay. just going to say, we we got a chance to talk to the guys who created this film, and we can let them tell you all the places you can consume it in this you know, kind of first for us, interview with the creators. Absolutely, yeah. So we got to talk to uh, Pete and Tony Shaker from Shaker Productions uh, about this wonderful new movie coming out on the 22nd of November. And we'll let you listen to that right now. Uh, am I speaking to one of the Shakers? Yes, you're speaking to both, actually. This both. is Pete and this is Tony. How's it going? Doing well, guys. Good to talk to y'all. Dude, thanks for having us. We yeah, really absolutely. appreciate it. Well, Derek, you want to formally introduce us to the interview? Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, guys, uh, we have the the uh, minds behind our movie this week, Killer Christmas. Uh, we've got uh, Pete and Tony. Fellas, what's going on? How are you today? Good. How you doing? Doing, Let's go. doing great. Doing great. Thank you guys so much for taking time out to uh, to uh, to talk to us about this movie. Uh, Jeff and I both got to watch it over the weekend and really, really enjoyed it. And uh, looking forward to talking to you here with it right now. Jeff, you got some questions for us? Yeah, I was looking back through your IMDb page. I tried to go in as fresh as I could to the movie. Um, and I found out that you guys aren't just the creative minds behind this, but you starred in it. The other thing I noticed is that y'all have been really active since 2015. Um, is there film work you guys have done before 2015 or did that, did that just, that year become a, a real creative season for y'all? Um, I mean, nothing before 2015. 
20, like late 2014, early 2015. I mean, um, I was, I I used to have like a full-time job. I was a lawyer. I hated it. And I kind of left doing all that and moved out to LA and started doing the writing more seriously and acting a little bit. Um, I've been writing since about 07, usually like on the side and stuff, but I moved out to LA in about 2014, started getting involved on set, started, you know, just trying to like learn as much as I could, um, till about the end of 2016. And then I came back here to the East Coast, and that's when Tony and I were out with our family on a on a Christmas tree farm last Thanksgiving. And then, uh, you know, we just thought we saw like this haunted, not haunted, but like this abandoned. Um, was it like a retreat house, like kind of like an abbey that was yeah. on the property? And we started spitballing ideas, and like you know, on Monday he basically came in and was like, "Dude, let's make this movie." And he quit his job, and you know, kind of the last seven eight months have been not or nine months at this point have yeah. been nonstop working on this project. But like you know, my kind of onset experience goes back only to late 2014, early 2015. Okay. Well, it sounds like you guys went all in hardcore. I hope that uh, I hope y'all get all the dividends from that kind of bravery coming through here. So you were talking about spotting the the location for the for the movie that we just uh, got done watching, Killer Christmas. Um, was that your sort of first inspiration to do something horror, or had y'all been thinking for a while like we're looking for a, a really uh, choice way to launch ourselves into the genre? Um, so really, I think um, I, I think that you, you kind of find inspiration in, in the everyday things. And for us, you know, it wasn't that we sort of went into this and said, oh, we should definitely do this. But, you know, we were on that Christmas tree farm and, and ideas just started flowing. And, and, you know, when that happens and things just start opening up, you don't really shut them down. Yeah. Like we didn't know we were making a horror until we were making a horror. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of like, you know, I think, you know, personally, this is the first uh, horror we've written like I'm trying to think I mean I've done one other thing that I did with someone else that was you know never really went anywhere a few years back that you could consider a horror is more like a psychological kind of thriller type thing but this is the first horror I've ever written um, and yeah we didn't know we were making one until it, it, the story kind of told us it's you know it was like yo just come to me so <laughs> yeah if you build it they will come okay okay well so if if doing horror wasn't something you set out to do before the um, the location presented itself and then inspiration juices started flowing. Are, are you guys working from any kind of background of inspiration in the horror genre? Because there were a couple things that I'm going to ask more specifically about, but there was a couple things that I thought were kind of call outs to uh, yeah. other horror movies. So could you talk about your background working or sorry, your background as like being entertained by the genre? Yeah, I mean, I love horror, like the, all, all the old school, like, you know, classics like the Friday the 13th, the Halloween's, you know, Black Christmas, like all the things that are all like the classic tropes like this one. We didn't try to go. We didn't want to go like, you know, we didn't want to go like typical newer kind of horror where they make you think too much. And it's like kind of kitschy, like, you know, the Baba Duke or something. And it's I just didn't you know, it's, it's just not classically scary. We didn't want to go with the kind of found footage thing. Like, I love horror, but I, you know, I even when we wrote this, even kind of like the killer we created even the kind of like campy kind of shade and freud you want to watch these kids get killed kind of like fun gimmicky stuff like that's all kind of like the old school 80s like even the coloring that we had done to it like that's all supposed to be like we want you to look at this and be like oh my god it's just like halloween or it's just like friday the 13th like it's you know it's it's a very like because you know obviously like the you, it's a it's a killer in santa mask so like you know the that's something that could happen every christmas to anybody anywhere and you want to make it kind of like its own kind of like 
classic figure. So it's it's all very like grounded in in like the 80s kind of like, you know, the the horror like you grew up on, you know. I mean, I, you know, at least I grew up on Tony's a little younger than me, but like Yeah. But I mean, those are still the same horror films that I, there's a reason why they still make Halloweens at Friday the 13th. It's because, you know, the audience really loves seeing these people, you know, just kind of get murdered. You know, you kind of just want the crazy it's fun, the crazy slasher killer running around. You know, you don't necessarily want like the psychological breakdown and all this stuff all the time. I mean, you know, there's time and place for all of it. But I, I think the fact that the uh, that that sort of classic horror that that really hit its stride in such a huge way in the 80s is still prevalent today just speaks volumes to just, you know, how like even our poster, like we literally yeah. like we modeled it. I mean, it, have you seen our poster? Like the dude in the, the Santa mask in the doorway frame holding the slasher knife. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, I mean, like, that's like, you know, if you Google, yeah, I mean, like, that's just like, a, yeah, we're, we're very purposefully trying to be a, a, you know, a classic type of horror film. Well, I can't speak for everybody who's going to watch your film, but I certainly picked up on that on, you know, my viewing there. And you're absolutely right. There's a reason these movies continue to, to hold up and they continue to inspire new uh, creators to work within them. Uh, it's not, not just your poster, but I remember a couple of scenes of like, you know, young people sprinting down a hallway while... Uh, a big guy with something sharp stalks him from behind. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with those kind of scenes, but it is fun to experience them afresh. Uh, what's it like being on the other side of the camera and something like that? Is um, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're working in the the frigid environment that it appeared to be. What what was shooting like? Oh yeah, shooting was crazy. So like we found this abandoned uh, six story, 150 room hotel that had like you know all the amenities like ballrooms, cafeteria hall like long hallways, you know, the bellhop area, everything. And, um, it's kind of like been condemned for the last few, not condemned, but like it's been, it's, it's abandoned and it was recently purchased, uh, by like a real estate group that shuttered it up and like boarded it out. But before that, for about 10 years, like vagrants had run amok, spray painted everywhere. Like everything you see in there is original. Like we didn't do anything. We added, we added a little darker spray paint on this is the death room just to make it pop more, but that was already there. And then like there was one room where, there's very specific, I don't, you know, like that kind of tribal um, type of spray paint that they walk in on and find like that we specifically made. Otherwise, everything else is as is. And like this place was like, you know, it was just a crazy, cold, frigid place. No air, um, no electricity, no water running. We had to run a generator from outside. It had just snowed like we had snow everywhere. And, you know, we were running a generator from outside this place, running about 200 feet of extension cords through windows so that we could actually run a smoke machine and get all the hallways smoky for the shot. And then we'd have someone turn off the smoke machine, someone turn off the generator, run the shot and then start the smoke machine again as we were setting up for the next shot. And like we'd go up and down through this whole place. We had like a small crew of about five of us, which was three, three other people plus plus Tony and myself. Um, and we're doing everything, you know, like I, I don't even know if you had time to think about when you were acting versus when you were, you know, being a grip or versus when you were setting up lights versus when you were directing. But like everyone was kind of involved in the process together, honestly, because it was such a small crew and we had to do everything, you know, really quickly. You know, it was it was cold out. We went through like four or five boxes of hand warmers. People put them in their like, (laughs) yeah, like in their in like their in their boots and their gloves. Like, you know, we were because we're shooting all night. So like we're starting at like sundown. So like our typical day, we started at like. 
maybe around 11 a.m. noon, we'd have breakfast and people would kind of relax, rehearse a little bit while we were setting up shots by around four, you know, starting to get into makeup and wardrobe. By around 4.35, we'd have lunch and then we'd go hit the uh, like the set and then we'd go from sundown around six or so to like midnight or 1 a.m. We'd have our dinner break and then we'd come back and shoot till sunrise and sometimes later, depending on like the shots. So like we did this <laughs> at that at that at that hotel, we did it for seven straight nights so we basically shot yeah yeah like we were shooting like i mean these were like all like 14 15 16 hour days um yeah it was crazy but it was awesome it was awesome it was awesome i mean like you know we sh- we had nine shooting days total two at the tree farm seven at this place and then we only spent about three or four days setting stuff up so about 13 days of set time and we got like 40 some odd hours of footage and you know we cut it up and you know yeah this is what we've got man <laughs> yeah that's incredible man um speaking from somebody that's done a couple independent movies and, and knowing how uh, you've just got to pitch in and do whatever you can. Uh, how difficult was it for you guys to go from the writing directing aspect of it to going in front of the camera? I mean, so I, I, I don't know if Pete would agree, but I think that uh, because there was always something to be done and, and it was primarily us to, you know, running around to do those extra things um, outside of the set and also running back in the set and holding bounce boards and lights and running around and all sorts of stuff. Sometimes um, getting in front of the camera and acting was the break from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, funny enough. Um, so, you know, at, at least for me, it was like, you know, at least when I'm acting, it's like, oh, man, this is what I'm focusing on right now. I'm not worried about a bounce board and running around and making sure the lights aren't dying on me and double checking the generator and running with the haze machine and God knows what else. I mean, yeah. to Tony's credit, he actually had a lot of lines. So like he, he, he got in there and did his thing. Like my lines, you know, are very few and far between. I'm more of a looker than anything else. And, uh, I, uh, you, some of them were just kind of ad libbed. So like, I, I, for me personally, like there wasn't much going, you know, there wasn't much to the, uh, to the acting side in the sense of like, like, you know, it was easy to find that character who, who doesn't want to be that sometimes right like that wasn't the that wasn't the hard part so like you you know i didn't have as much to prep for i was more focused on everything else i think tony really i mean like he spent i know just watching him he spent weeks weeks you know just every day going over every scene and learning his stuff so you know maybe for him getting on was a break or something from not doing heavy lifting but like (laughs) you know know, we were definitely doing you know we like 10 8 10 12 takes of all different scenes all different shots mediums close-ups you know running uh running everyone over and over so like everyone you know you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna have great takes and when you go to the editing room and you pick everyone's best stuff in different moments like you know hopefully you got it right and you know everyone looks good so like it's you know like especially film and tv acting versus theatrical like because of the amount of reps you get to do like you know the acting is it's, it's exhausting i mean a lot of these guys like a lot of our actors were you know we were making them do things over and over and over like some of our takes we had 40 50 takes because we'd be doing something straight down a hallway and there'd be double conversations going on and like dude that whole like you know the the running the dude we found a shopping cart in one of the rooms and we ended up using it for the moving shot so when there's the one shot where they're running down the hallway and they split up at the stairs and there's a reveal and they continue we did that over like maybe 14 or 15 times oh while God, running yeah. oh with God. 
camera guy in the cart and I'm running backwards holding the thing as our makeup girl's holding a bounce board. She got like thrown into a room a couple times trying to run backwards <laughs> below the camera <laughs> in front of the cart like while actors are all running at you. Like I can't yeah. even tell you how how like just crazy oh, it was yeah. just being on in, in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere while you're seeing your breath coming out in front of you. Yeah, like, and the whole thing's the one take with five different people in it at different varying Yeah, like that's like a, I mean, it was it's like a 3 minute take. It was a tough shot and and so, you know, when you, you got shots like that left and right or, or a good number where you're repeating stuff and uh yeah, man, it's tiring. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that about film acting and stuff. They think that you just hit your marks and you're able to take as many takes as possible. But it, it really is kind of it's insanely tiring, especially in conditions like you guys are talking about. Oh, yeah. Our actors, dude, like were full, like they were exhausted. You know, when we'd have our lunch breaks, I mean, we'd, we had like a nine room bed and breakfast rented out with like a whole little living area, like a living room area with a fireplace and a lounge area. Nice. Guys would get back, take their boots off, you know, collapse into the sofa and stuff and just be like exhausted and you know an hour later we got to rowdy back up and get there for the 2 a.m to 7 a.m shift you know right. like you're on you know if you're on it like you're back out there and you're pushing it like it was not you know it, it was definitely a challenge but we found great actors who were very hungry who like you know wanted the opportunity to jump in a very quick production that gives them some real like it's a nice ensemble cast like mm-hmm. we've got you know there's there's a good uh, there's a good amount of coverage for everybody and like you know with that kind of that in play and like you know a little bit of money and you know this isn't a sag film but it's um you know it's a good non-union film i think and it's something that like you know you could find real actors especially in new york like in the new york metro area like we had about a thousand applicants for for six roles wow. uh including the jogger role and you know we brought in like a hundred or so to a uh, a studio downtown in the village called hb studio and then you know the one guy malcolm just destroyed the audition like by the time he walked out we were like this is our dude obliterated yeah and like we uh you know we offered it to him that evening and then um we brought in about a dozen people to work off of him and figure out like the right kind of you know just chemistry sure and yeah and then like you know we gave these guys like a week of rehearsal time oh wow Um, yeah did like the wardrobes and you know maybe like two weeks of rehearsal and wardrobe and then we were on our way to set like you know we we wrote this from thanksgiving to like new year's and then we were getting locations in january and casting in january and we started filming february 13th or 15th 13th it's right around valentine's Day. right around valentine's it was right after valentine yeah Yeah, it was right after yes the day after so 15th we were up there for valentine's day because they were doing their dinner right Yeah. yeah Um, yeah, it was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, this was as like, boom, 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 as a process as you can go. And you, you touched on it quite a bit there, but I'd still like to just press a little bit more as a guy who is a novice to the filmmaking process. How are you going about finding your actors and actresses? Are you, um, putting out casting calls in theaters in New York or uh, what's your process? Uh, there's something it's actorsaccess.com. It's like actors access is, I think it's part of showfacts.com. And that's like the gateway to to every kind of um, theatrical or non-union audition or student projects. And like, it's the way if you're serious about trying to be an actor, you go and you do, you look at all those postings, you put in your information, you know, you get a reel together, you do all the things you got to do that. And then you apply for, you know, I personally applied when I, when I first joined it for probably about 3000 auditions uh, over like a year. And I got like 
maybe 40 auditions and I booked nine roles on like indie things and I put together a reel and I got from that like a manager who started sending me out to like like I did an episode of Bull last year like as a one-liner and like the jury box um I went out for a few good auditions this year haven't gotten anything and like you know actors access if you're trying to make it as an actor you basically have to go there to get every kind of you know building block role that you can get most of them you're going to do for free you know you're going to lose money every time you act until you start making money, which might be the hundredth time you act. Like I think I've been on a you know at least a dozen sets as an actor. That's not even as a person who's like behind the scenes, like camera crew or anything like that. And I think I've been paid twice. So like you got to basically that's like the thing you do as when you're also doing all the other things. Like you, you know, very few people are actually surviving as actors and actresses. But if you go on Actors Access and you offer people several hundred dollars in a week experience on the set, you're gonna find like really highly qualified people who've done theater, who've done Shakespeare, who've, you know, done commercials, who've done all kinds of things, you know, like, so yeah, actors access is, is definitely the most important part of that. Do you guys do anything with backstage? Uh, that's where I've got a lot of my bookings and stuff is from backstage. Um, I'm on backstage. You know, I've only got, I've, I've applied for tons. Of, I've never had as much success. I guess I don't really have a theater background also, but, um, I, you know, we, we did not advertise on backstage as an actor. I'm also on backstage. Also LA casting, the casting networks is, good um but yeah backstage all of those things as an actor you need to be on all kinds of you know you got to be on actors access backstage casting networks uh i'm sure there are other ones but at least those are the ones i know of uh if i can follow up on the um the previous question i asked there not to pull it back too hard but i'm I'm just really curious we jump off on all kinds. I'm sorry. That's just our like, you know, crazy nature, or at least mine. Anyway, I jump on all kinds of tangents. I, I mean, you could tell just, you know, we did this whole movie in, in you know, what, nine months yeah. from from actual We're very hyper guys. Yeah, very you hyper know, guys. We jump around. We do a lot. Of I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I just brewed. It's three in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm like yeah. sipping it as I'm like, like, you know, I'm like hunched over the computer, like staring you down. I'm just kind of like talking into it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, no worries on your end. I just didn't want it to be erupt on mine. Um, no, so, no, no. No, no, other no. Than, Ask whatever you want. Other than your brother, you don't know any of these people you're bringing in before you bring them in to hang out with you for those first auditions and whatnot, right? So does the cast, uh, would you say here the cast got along pretty well, or are you spending a lot of time you know, managing uh, people who are crammed into a very cold environment in a really hectic you know, pace for uh, a compressed and stressful time of filming? You know, how- no, I, think, I think the cast got along really well. Yeah. I think the fact that we were in like, you know, the town we basically basically went to Sharon Springs, New York was shut down. Um, and so we were kind of the only things there. The cafe that was open just for brunch every day catered all our, our meals. Like they gave us hot trays and stuff. Otherwise we, we were basically there. So it became very campy. Like everyone started getting along really well. Um, we'd had them kind of meet and greet two or three times before we went out there. So obviously the auditions, the one guy, Malcolm crushed it. He, we, we, we like, you know, knew he was going to be a guy we were going to build around. And then we brought in about a dozen people, worked them off him. So right there, we kind of gave people's chemistry and then from there we had a rehearsal like a read through a whole like table read of the whole script and a uh, wardrobing kind of session we went out and found like all kinds of like christmas gear as you see like the sweaters and whatnot um so like they'd gotten to meet each other a couple of times and just meet and greet and like you know i think even from just the 
callbacks, like that was like a four hour thing. We had them run in and out of the room, four, five, six people at a time doing up to six scenes. So like you really got to feel it was a very intensive day, um, you know, for the actors, especially. And like, you know, I feel obviously very bad for the ones who we didn't cast because, you know, that day was grueling and they worked with a lot of people. But I think, again, you just put the reps together. You see what kind of chemistry people have. You kind of hope that it lives up to what it is. I think for the most part on set, you know, we never had any issues. Like yeah. people got along. I think some of these people now are like friends in real life. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously it was an exhausting time there. Yeah, definitely. Like on set, you know, there are people who, you know, we never had any issues, but like you could see people were tired, you know, like you could see that like sometimes like, you know, by, by that six, 7 a.m. golden hour, you know, like <laughs> people are, people are like at the end of their, you know, ropes and like shots aren't going as well. And like, you know, you're just trying to bear through to get this one or that one or like, you know, but like, what, what are you going to do at the tail end of that? Like, that's not, you know, yeah, there we we I, th- I think I think like the casting process plus getting them to hang out a little bit beforehand and just work through the script and meet each other like we had you know like our wardrobing thing we brought a few beers we brought like a tray of like um, sandwiches sandwiches like we made it kind of like a little thing where they got to hang out for a while you know so like you kind of just try to build some you know camaraderie but again we only had eleven people total you know between the actors and the crew like it's easier to do with that few people than it is to do with you know tons more you know like. It's yeah, you know. It's a- Plus, I think also, I mean, even during uh, when we were doing all the casting stuff, you know, part of what we were gauging is is you know personality of people as well as their abilities and as actors, just because you know we knew that we were going to be working round the clock and that it was going to be an intensive uh, you know an intensive period. So we wanted everyone to be prepared for that and, and to be able to feel like these guys were team players and uh, and really everyone showed up was just uh, you know professional all around. Yeah, like I think we actually there was even a point where we were considering some other female for one of the lead roles and like she was just already too much to deal with great actress could have crushed it but we were like dude this is definitely not the person we need to deal with in this kind of environment for you know like so like we made very targeted choices yeah based on like personality too like you have to be an actor but you have to have the right personality for it yeah and i i don't know if if people deal with that on on much larger scale movies where you're not asking as much outside of the acting of individuals but you know in our case like we said you know everyone's running around everyone's doing different things and yeah there were some points where some of the actors jumped in and like did bounce board stuff or like held the lights from this angle or that angle like you know like you know got on the rafters with us and like did crazy things because it was at that point that's like day five day six we're trying to catch up on our shooting schedule they're really feeling it they want this to go well like you know and like some of them yeah definitely stepped up others stuck to their acting roles which was totally fine because even that was you know very long arduous days but like you know you gotta you you have to have people with the right personality like you can't be a stuck up actor you can't be you know expect things especially on an indie set maybe like the bigger you go like when you got a trailer and an agent and you know only green m&ms like that's cool (laughs) you know you know yeah yeah well i also wanted to ask you about uh your music work i'm not sure who picked and this is probably not the right title but it plays over the final credits i know and i you know heard it earlier the jolly old saint nicholas song with the kids singing it uh 
whoever made that choice really made a, a killer choice there. Um, <laughs> we we yeah. actually had to commission all that music. We looked for a, we looked for several months to find a children's choir, and it's like it's awkward when two men are asking your children to sing for them. <laughs> so <laughs> you know we had to go through you know connections and stuff, and eventually we found people. We found a choir director out in uh, Utah who had access to an international children's choir, um, and we basically booked an hour of their studio time and like four hours of his time to mix stuff and he had them just sing five you know public domain very famous christmas hooks and then sing them in a whisper and then sing them like in a slow kind of like melody upbeat downbeat and then gave us all those tracks and then we had a music producer that was a the the boyfriend of one of our actresses he uh like created those tracks that you hear like all that music like the accompaniment and stuff with those kid whispers like he created for us and uh tony and i kind of stuck them in um in the right places on uh pro on a premiere um and then we got a a a sound engineer to massage everything out to master it you know all the vocals to do foley for us um so like but like we had to it took us a while we knew we knew what we wanted sound wise you know we we we, we've come close to achieving it obviously i think if we had a huge budget and like Hans zimmer like you know with orchestra (laughs) like we'd be in a different place but like you know i'm pretty happy with you know what we did you know what we found how original it is and like you know those kids like we we been hearing that we couldn't find it anywhere so we had to go like make it you know because we very early on in in the process thought that we wanted a children's choir singing these creepy christmas songs how creepy yeah because there's nothing scarier than two kids or a bunch of kids singing you christmas songs in a whisper i'm into that yeah well it worked i mean you paid off at least i guess in my viewing yeah it stuck out as a as a positive and you guys can always get han zimmer for killer christmas too so yeah. Oh, and did I see that Killer Christmas Two is already in the works? I mean, we wanted to put. Well, you know, we've had we have a few plot ideas. You know, obviously we leave it open at the end. Um, you know, we, we we think we can go a couple different directions with it. You know, it'll depend on like how it does. You know, what the reception is like. You know, because we're, we're we're both committing full time to this. You know, and we obviously need to pay bills and all that kind of sure. great stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there's 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 definitely like treatments and outlines and, you know, things like that. But like, you know, once pedals to the metal, like we wrote the last script in a month, like, you know, I think this one we can also write in a month. Um, and then after that, you know, you just got to hit all your you gotta hit all the task list. You know what I mean? Locations, cast, like insurance, props, uh, you know, wardrobe. Just, just you know, it's it's basically just a laundry list of things to do, but it's all doable. Like it's all, it's a very do-it-yourself market. Just you know, making films these days. Well, I appreciate how generous you guys have been with your time. I've got just a couple more, and then we'll we'll let y'all go. But thanks for giving us so much uh, so much uh, material here. We appreciate the time. Absolutely, no, thank absolutely. You very much. Ask away, yeah. Um, another thing that really worked for me in the film, uh, that aside from the acting and the plot, which I really enjoyed, um, one of the things that's a small detail, but really acting, I don't think I'm giving anything away here, um, is the mask that your killer wears. And I'm just curious how that thing was formed and, yeah, what, what you did with the mask to get it ready and get it how you wanted it to appear. 
Yeah, I mean, so this was, I think last year was around the time when when we started seeing like the clowns who were walking around in random places. Um, so, and I remember when that was happening, we were both like, what is going on? This is ridiculous. Like, th- this is legitimately scary when you hear like someone's out in the woods and they just see a clown walking around. Um, so we kind of wanted that clown type mask, um, but in a, in a more, you know, holiday sense. And we thought, who better than, uh, you know, jolly old St. Nicholas? Um, so we that that was really the the thought process behind it um you know, as far as getting it done it, it came down to you know finding some sort of a base to work on and then um our hair our makeup and wardrobe um person um ended up you know doing a lot a bit more work on the mask and making it something that we felt we we really wanted so do you head down to you know halloween town and, and pick one off the shelf or are you looking through custom mask company catalogs I'm, I'm no we found we found like an ebay uh like mask seller as, as weird <laughs> as that sounds someone who makes masks so they had like that mask we uh you know, we got it, and then our our makeup girl kind of like went to work on it. Yeah. Like, so we had like a basis for it, and then she, you know, made it a little scarier, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Well, well done. It paid off. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like a little. You, yeah. It's like a. You know, it's uh. I was. I mean, it's a Santa mask. I mean, you can see that in the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like it's yeah. I mean, but like a San- We knew we wanted the Santa mask. Um, it was just a matter of finding it and getting it you know, the way it was supposed to look. Well, and I also want to try to avoid any spoilers here, but obviously this movie has a killer in it. Your killer has a particular MO, um, specifically with the uh, the people he does not finish off right away. Um, anything that inspired that, or was that just out of your own kind of twisted imagination? Uh, that was, you know, you you could always think there's like a little bit of truth to every sinister motivation. Like who hasn't, you know, what 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 person has not been scorned in the past? Um, you know, are uh, there are no specific like you know. Um, roots there. Nothing ever happened, but like, yeah. it, you know, it's, yeah, man, every, everything's based in like, you know, the world uh, that we live in. You know what I mean? Sometimes people hate each other. Sometimes <laughs> like there's, you know, there's, there's, there's emotions brewing. So yeah, you know, I, I, they're not, not, it's not really anything specific, but it's, uh, it's very just like the things we all kind of have experienced to some degree or another. You guys mentioned that you didn't start out making a horror movie. Um, do you feel like that that's kind of now your wheelhouse or you think you'll expand or uh you know could we see after killer christmas and killer christmas 2 like killer arbor day or uh <laughs> <laughs> the whole killer the whole killer holiday series uh, yeah just yeah just um, the whole genealogy there <laughs> i mean i I think the killer line, as far as the Christmases go, could definitely be a good run for horror. Um, as far as some of the other things I've, you know, just the other scripts I've got going, some of them have the same horror psychological, you know, very dark tilt to them that, you know, they could be described as horror plus other genre, depending on which thing it is. Um, you know, I, 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 I think like dark human nature that's grounded in reality is a fun thing to look at. Like, I think it's, um, you know, I think a lot of people right now, like what's hot is like supernatural. And it's like, you know, I like it. I dig it. It's cool. But like, 
everyone's doing it and everyone's finding a different way to do it. Like I kind of like just like, you know, the, the what ifs that are grounded in reality. And like, I think a lot of the things I write right now are very much like that. And I think, you know, most good films have a lot of death in them. So like you could call them horror, but like, you know, they're, they're like always mixed genre. Like nothing's really one genre. Like even this is a little bit of mystery who done it, you know, and then, but it's, it's got that horror tilt. That's a little more obvious. Um, but like, it's also, you know, kind of like a suspense film. So like, you know, is that a thriller? Is that a, is it a mystery? Is it a horror that's like, you know, one or the, yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, yes, yes. I think, I think horror is a fun, you know, it could be a very real, like what's horror, you know what I mean? Like horror for me is like the things that are real. So like, you know, it could be a very, it, could, it, 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 it yes. I think, I think like some of our stuff will have that horror taste to them. Yeah. Now that's good news. I think that uh, is a really <laughs> good first step for you guys here. And if the, uh, the first offering is this strong, I can't wait to see what the future holds there. Thank, Thank you. Really thank appreciate, you. Really appreciate that. that, man. That's very nice. <laughs> hey, and the, and the good news is, is they're making a new Star Wars every year. So if this thing catches yeah. on, you guys could do like Star Wars 12. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. dude, we want it. We would love that. I would love to do. Yeah. I would love to. So uh, no repeats of the, the Star Wars Christmas special from years ago. No way. No way. <laughs> well, that's disappointing. But I mean, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got a, you've got artistic talent. I understand. You've got to go your own way. <laughs> oh, man. So this movie comes out. No. November 22nd, correct? Yes. 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 It'll be on cable video on demand. It'll be on Amazon Direct, iTunes, uh, Microsoft Network, Xbox Prime, or X, X, uh, PlayStation, Network, PlayStation Network, and also and Google Play. Google Play. And Microsoft. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All the digital. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm assuming that our readers are going to want to track this thing down pretty quickly. So, guys, you just heard you have a plethora of options to track this film down. And uh, you certainly need to check out the uh, work here from the Shaker Brothers. Guys, uh, we really appreciate your time here. Hey, uh, real quick, guys, anywhere that uh, anywhere that our listeners can find you on any kind of social media platforms or any website for this movie besides the IMDb page? Oh, yeah. KillerChristmas.com. Um, you'll find all our trailers up there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. It's just Killer Christmas. Uh, then we also have a YouTube page. I believe it's Shaker Productions. And uh, and also uh, our Instagram. Oh, yeah. We have an Instagram, Shaker Productions. Um, I guess a lot of Killer Christmas stuff is up on there as yeah. well. Yeah, and we recommend checking out that stuff because, uh, you know, on uh, on the Killer Christmas website, you can get a sneak peek of uh, yeah, we, the first couple minutes are up there. First six minutes, nice. like until the first, uh, like that whole first scene kind of thing is yeah. up there. Yeah. And we also have, um, so, you know, like we were mentioning where it's the, the massive six story, 155 room abandoned hotel in the middle of nowhere. We have some, uh, some background footage of us going through there and you get to get a, a real feel for the place and, and see what we were filming in. Yeah. Sweet. Like on, awesome. Okay. You know, that's like, it's a fun little watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Jeff, Derek, thank you very much for having us guys. Hey guys, yeah. thank you so much for, for being on the, on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, like Jeff said, enjoyed the movie. And, uh, if this is your first venture out, we can't wait to see the second one. Thank you. Thank I you hope so. so. Much. I hope really so. Appreciate we appreciate that. that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to y'all. And uh, you got two guys rooting for you over here. We're rooting yes. for you guys. Thanks. Appreciate right. it. 
And those are the best guys in the world, man. Holy smokes, man. They're so fun. Yeah. Like we've, uh, since the, since we did that interview, uh, we've all connected on social media and stuff and uh, those guys are great. So I want nothing but the best for them. I want to work with them. I'm putting that out here right now. I want to work with the Shaker brothers. So let's make that happen, guys. I know they're listening. Yeah. So, uh, Killer Christmas, we need to kind of walk our people through this since we're the kind of the cutting edge of having seen the film, get them ready for what they should expect from the film. And we're the cutting edge of horror movie podcasts. I mean, if Absolutely. I mean, I don't like to brag, but I will in this in this scenario. There's a reason why they came to us <laughs> to have us review this movie. And it's your dashing good looks and uh, magnetic, charismatic personality. Well, I mean, I would flip that on you, second runner-up to Sexiest Man Alive. I just hit the record button around here, bud. <laughs> But, I mean, clearly we're responsible for the golden age of horror we're living in, as we've noted before on right. previous episodes. Right. That, that is very true. So, very I, true. I mean, what you're saying isn't not true. It's just we don't like to brag. Right. So We're not ones to toot our own horn, but gosh darn it, toot toot. Yeah. So, the joking aside, we watched a movie in Killer Christmas that I think exceeded both of our expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say, like, when you, when you have things like this, that get brought to your attention, you wonder, right? Because, I mean, we're still a fairly new podcast, and so you wonder how people get a hold of us and, and things of that nature. And so when the Shakers uh, emailed and reached out and said, hey, we'd love for you to review the movie, you wonder, like, okay, is it going to be is it going to be a decent movie shot on a, on a decent camera, or are we looking at something that's been, you know, that's on a handheld that, you know, you, you get a bunch of people who've never acted before. And, and kind of YouTube just, quality. Yeah, and it's just boobs and, and profanity, right? Like, that was kind kind of it, I knew it was going to be one or the other and uh well the other uncertain element here is that we just we've seen so much bad horror movies yeah good I mean call. we have seen huge budgets produce the worst trash in the right. world and so when you hear there's an indie movie making a horror movie uh, excuse me there's an indie production company making a horror movie you think well this this is possible like you can make good low budget horror right but it's also very easy to take that thing off the rails absolutely so we watch this with I don't want to say doubts, but clearly some uh, room for skepticism. Right. right. Yeah. And I think, I don't think I'm putting words in your mouth when I say that it exceeded both of our expectations considerably. Absolutely. So, um, the, the shakers asked us to not give away too much of the plot points. We want to honor their wishes. Whoop! No, go, get, go, you'll, we'll see you next week. Jeez, that guy, just all the time wanting to come in. Ridiculous. Mm. Well, he needs work. I know, obviously. I mean, you saw Daddy's Home, too. No, did I didn't. You? <laughs> so, um, I, I do want to whet the appetite of our listeners for this movie, though. So, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you into Jeff Wright's childhood. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. So, I live out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. There's one little country store near my house, but thankfully, they rented VHS films, right? So, for a couple dollars, I could go over and rent a movie at Bain Shop Easy. They did do that. Dude, I completely forgot about that. At their height, there was three spinner racks of movies available. Yeah, there were. Yep. Holy smokes, man. So one of the video cassettes available to me there at my local Shop Easy was an 84 release called Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Okay. Did you ever feast your eyes on Silent Night, Silent Night Deadly Night Part 2? I did not. Um, I know that I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1, but I, I honest to goodness didn't know that there was a second one. 
Yeah, so I met the second one long before I met uh, the previous one. So Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 came out in 84. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1 came out in... No, I'm sorry. Let me run through it. So I met the second film before I met the first. Mm-hmm. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 came out in 87. Okay. Part 1 came out in 84. And okay. I did eventually track it down and watch it. But I probably watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 15 times over the course of my childhood. Just because it was a go-to that was available at that little store. Sure. And if anyone understands uh, that movie, if you've seen that, what I would tell you about Killer Christmas is, if you can view Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 as campy source material mm-hmm. for a modern update that takes the ideas more seriously, you've got Killer Christmas 2017. Um, one way I'd compare this, and I realize like hardcore horror fans are going to say, how dare you touch hollow ground? Uh, excuse me. How dare you touch hallowed ground? But if you can think through the original Evil Dead movies... And then what they did with it when they came out a couple years ago with the new Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. There's a comparison there between Silent Night, Deadly Night and Killer Christmas 2017. Okay. Um, Yeah, again, they take the material a little bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. It's more grounded and more realistic. But a lot of the same beats, you'll recognize the themes. Sure. Makes sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So with that in mind, I'm going to ask you a question. How much time have you spent with what's actually a pretty well-developed tradition of Christmas-themed horror movies? Um, I mean, probably in the last several years, they've come up more, um, but not, not before then. Like probably, yeah, I'd say probably in the last five years is when I kind of got into it. Cause you would look at stuff. Like I remember Jack Frost and I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to watch this movie. Right. Or Santa Slay. And, and it's, you know, Slay is like S-L-A-Y. Um, but yeah, I mean, Krampus took, took hold a couple years ago. Uh, and I thought that was a great movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, it's not my favorite, but it's something I'm starting to get into. Yeah, you named several of the ones that I would point to that kind of identify the tradition. You and I reviewed Black Christmas quite a while back. Boom, 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 boom. Available now in the archives at Sauce on the Scary. A movie that I found much more room for charity towards than yeah. your Scrooge Heart did. Yeah. Uh, but that movie may have kind of helped create the slasher genre just in general. Sure, absolutely. So it's not just a like Christmas horror tradition. It's this kind of started the whole deal when it comes to sharp knives flashing in the night. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, Krampus, which I've still never finished up. I need to do that this year. Okay. We need to do an episode on that just so All I right. will finish that movie. All right. uh, obviously, Silent Night, Deadly Night has a place in my formative years. That'll be the one we drop December 26th is Krampus. And then Krampus is kind of the most recent version of this. It's got a high profile. Yeah. Killer Christmas is well within that tradition. Absolutely. And uh, I say it in a positive way. Absolutely. When I was thinking through this issue of like, there's a lot of Christmas killer movies that struck me by surprise initially, right? But you and I have talked about how horror and comedy can sometimes be closely related. So just to be clear, I'm not saying that they're comedic elements of Killer Christmas. This isn't a movie designed to make you laugh. I'm just pointing that comedy and horror both play on similar aspects of the human experience. And one of those aspects is stark contrast, right? So sometimes comedy is built on that pig is talking and it's rooted in the idea that we all know pigs don't talk. So it's Catching us by surprise. Makes us squeal with delight. Whoa, looky there. Come on now. And I'm not talking about like hee-haw here, although I'm not going to besperch the good name of hee-haw. I'm thinking more like uh, Farside. Sure. Talking yeah. animals were a staple of Farside's Right. Comedy. Or well, Babe. Yes. Um, horror plays on the same things. Yeah. And so uh, I think 
the way we explain the killer Christmas tradition, right? If we write that large, mm-hmm. is that there is this stunning contrast between the sentimentality and the perceived innocence of the Christmas holiday set over and against an immediate relationship, brutality, and the fear that comes from a stalking killer, right? Yeah. So in hindsight, it makes sense that these movies would kind of spring into existence because that contrast is ripe ground for the kind of incongruity that we need to get a good fright. Um, anything you would want to say to our listeners about this movie that whets their appetite, Derek? Um, I mean, in a, in a sense, here's here's the biggest thing that I wanted to say about it. Um, and and it even says it on their IMDb page. It's a slow burn suspense Christmas horror. Uh, I completely agree with that. It's it's a very slow burn. You uh, the Shakers do a wonderful job with uh, getting to know these characters, right? So by the time that they get in danger, you you actually do feel for it. All of these characters, either a sense of, oh, my gosh, don't go in that room or I really hope she gets killed. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that this is a wonderful, wonderful movie as far as like your characters go. And and then once the action starts to ramp up, it really ramps up. And it's it's a great um, it's a great little slasher movie for about the last what, 45 minutes of it, I guess. Um, yeah, it will hit all those marks for you that like you look for a slasher movie to scratch the itch for. Absolutely. You're going to get screaming women running down hallways yeah. and is he in that room? What happened to that character? Because since we've seen him last, uh, these guys really know the genre and they work in it very well. And so for those of you who like slasher movies, uh, you're going to like this movie. I'm pretty confident. It's something that we say a lot on this podcast, but it rings true here. This does not reinvent the wheel, but it does a really good job with the wheel. Absolutely right. So, well said. Yeah. And especially for it being a lower budget movie and independently shot and not having a wide release or and any a kind compressed of... shooting schedule. Exactly. I mean, like all the challenges that independent films face. Exactly. Um, you know, for, for all of its uh, obstacles that it had to overcome, it really, I mean, it looks... It looks great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you said it before. It exceeded, it exceeded my expectations. Uh, hugely. A few things I'm just going to throw out there to uh, maybe try to hook further people on the fence about whether or not they'll go for this movie. Um, there are two plot points that is a guy who's watched a lot of scary movies I didn't see coming and were pleasant surprises. Um, one of those is, I don't think I'm giving anything away with a slasher genre, that there's a final girl. And the girl I identified early on was not the one that made it to be the final girl. Yeah. So this wasn't just sort of a, a run down a well-trod path that I like to run on. This brought a little bit of new stuff to the table in a way that made me feel like I had a fresh experience with the genre, too. The only criticism I can really give it is that the language in the movie grated on me pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but they're probably using the language that a group of college kids who go sneak into an abandoned huge building would use in their exploits. Yeah. It With with the dialogue, um, it felt like that the actors themselves were given a little more freedom to it. Uh, and being on independent movies, I kind of know, you know a little bit about that. You know, you have you have your script, but some places script is script is solid, script is gold. Like you're not going to touch the script. You know, I've been on sets before where it's like this is it. We want it exactly like this. If you can't do it exactly like this, I'll find somebody that can. And then you're on sets where they're like, this is it. 
but we're going to do a third take where you're able to run free and have a lot of fun. Just improvise. Exactly. And so I feel like that this was, and again, this isn't something we talked to the, those guys about, so it's just from my own personal experiences. This is probably one of those things where they, they had their um, their Bible, you know, everything that they wanted to lay out, and they had like a, a wishbone type, you know, uh, skeleton structure of what they wanted to do, and then they said, okay, go nuts. You know, this is, uh, this is point A, point B, point C. Make sure you're saying all that, but say it however you need to. So I, I agree with you. At first, it was kind of like, okay, guys, let's let's find new words, right? But you're absolutely right. That's exactly, you know, looking back 10 years ago, that's probably what my friends and I would have been doing too. So. Well, you, you've hit on kind of the discovery I made. We talked about how in the 2017 version of It, Finn Wolfhard's character's uh, course language is pretty pronounced, right? Yeah. And it kind of got under my skin a little because, like you said, just find new words. Like, yeah. let's get on to something else. But a buddy of mine said, well, that's how kids talk. You know, we all, we all had a friend who talked like that. Yeah. He couldn't quit cussing once he discovered cuss words, right. right? Well, this, again, is the same experience. Like, if you're hanging out with a bunch of college kids uh, doing subversive stuff, yeah, probably going to be pretty pretty raw. Sure. And then particularly when a guy starts killing them. Yeah. I'm assuming that proper, uh, you know, socially proper language is not going to be your first priority. Right. Yeah. I doubt that you're going to be like, oh, fudge, this stinks. <laughs> We're in a lot of poop We now. should totally get out of here we, quickly. We need to get the heck out of here. That guy might have some mental issues. He, <laughs> there, There's a knife in my butt. But yeah. Like not, none of that's going to happen. Yeah. So again, I, I say that not to like highlight the, the language here. I'm saying like, really, that's my only criticism. The yeah. only thing that... I say, I, I guess maybe not in criticism. It's the only thing that I didn't enjoy the experience of having in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, well, let me just go ahead and throw this question out to you now then. Scale of one to ten. Where are you going with it? Out of every horror movie I've ever seen, this is a six, six and a half. Okay. Uh, considering what they were working with and the constraints of an independent film, I'm going to bump that up a full point. So this is a seven and a half or so. I was I completely agree. I was going to say seven and a half based on on everything, um, obstacles and and you know low budget and everything like that. Seven and a half all the way. We have watched a lot of movies as we've already talked about that had huge budgets, yeah. lots of talent, uh, at least in the sense of like these people have worked in Hollywood studios. Well, well, known talent. talent. Yeah, well-known yeah. talent. Um, and they have been complete regrets. You know, I just wish I had my life back. This movie, I enjoyed watching. And I enjoyed watching it and talking about it with you. I enjoyed talking to these guys about this film they made. And so I'm really hopeful that the work and the care and the sacrifice those guys put into making this movie earns them a good profit that's rooted not in, like, charity. Like, hey, let's go watch an independent movie to watch, you know, support independent filmmaking. Yeah. But to say, I'm going to enjoy this film, and you get to make money off of it right. for doing a good job. Absolutely, man. Um, you, you, I mean, there's really nothing left, left to say on that. Um, every, everyone knows that we've seen some stinkers. I mean, the first, gosh, what, like the first seven episodes of this podcast, we were just like, why are we even doing this? <laughs> These movies are terrible. Um, so it's nice to see not only, uh, not nice to not only see a great horror movie, um, but also to, to be able to talk to these guys and get to know them a little bit and see their passion for the project and to see, um, you know, and to talk to them about their hard work and, and the sacrifices that they made to to make this. So yeah, I, I don't 
I don't want this to be one of those things where it's like, oh, let's go see Pete and Paul, our buddies in this thing. I want I want their friends to watch it, but then I also want everyone in the world that is a horror movie fan to go watch this movie. Because I, I really don't think, and if it's, what, like two bucks on Amazon, then you're you're definitely going to get your money's worth hey, on that. Five, six, seven. I mean, I've for paid real. a lot more on streaming services for films that I don't feel like I got bang for buck on yeah. uh, compared to this movie. Absolutely. So I do say support independent filmmaking, yeah. hashtag support in, in films, but I'm also going to say like this movie can compete for your entertainment dollar. And I think particularly for people who listen to horror podcasts and particularly for the subset of that who really like slasher movies, uh, as we come into the holiday season, this is going to be, um, you're going to receive this as like a, a well-timed gift. Yeah, absolutely. If you're uh after Thanksgiving plans, you know, you, you have your Thanksgiving dinner and you don't want to go to the movie theater or you don't want to come see me at uh, Tennessee Brewskies in Tazewell, Tennessee, Friday. Or you immediately want to follow coming to see you in Tazewell with a horror-themed, excuse me, a Christmas-themed horror movie. Right. Um, either way, grab this. You're not going to be disappointed. I, I really, I genuinely don't think anyone is going to be disappointed with this movie. No, no. And I'm going to go so far as to say you're going to be well-pleased. Yeah. You know, that that's going to be, uh, I think your, your experience is going to be similar to ours. We're glad we spent the time to watch this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I pretty much think that wraps everything up. Did you see something scary? Yes. I agree. I completely agree. And if uh, I don't think this is spoiler territory, and if you do, cut it out. But, um, you know, they've talked about doing Killer Christmas 2. That's on their IMDb page. I look forward to seeing that. Absolutely. And I will watch whatever these guys want to do in the future based on the strength of this first project. Yeah, and I hope that the uh, whatever comes of this movie gives them a bigger budget and more things to, to be able to deal with in the second one. And Absolutely so, right. Yeah, we, we're rooting for these guys. We absolutely. told them that uh, in the interviews you heard, but we mean it, and we're going to keep tabs on the Shakers, right? Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow Peter Paul Shaker on Twitter, he's at PP Shakes. Uh, totally recommend using it as a way to keep up to date with what he's got going on. Yeah. And he's been releasing some kind of cool little uh, behind-the-scenes stuff about this movie. Um, and, hey, you you heard the interview. Um, so anywhere that those guys said that they're on social media, go ahead and give them a follow. I know that they've got some really cool things that they're doing with uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff with Killer Christmas. So make sure and uh, and do that. Jeff Wright, where can they find you on social media? At Wright Jeff, most, most places. And you can find everything about me at DerekZoo.com. As a matter of fact, you can also find episodes of this podcast, DerekZoo.com under the podcast tab. So make sure and go visit there. Um, hey, also real quick, since we're talking about independent movies, I want to talk real quick about uh, the past weekend. I got to be on the set of an uh, independent horror movie called Guilt Girl. Uh, if you guys are, are fans of the show or have been fans for the show for long, you know, several months ago, my buddy Mike D and I did an episode. You were on assignment somewhere. And so Mike D and I reviewed Evil Dead 2. Uh, and so Mike D's actually, he's the writer and director of this movie. And uh, it's, it's a really, really, really fun movie. It's uh, it's about a girl who uh, survived a killer, survived a slasher, you know, a mass killing where, you know, her and her friends went. Much like this movie, you know, they went off with shenanigans and she's the only one that survived. And so, it's the after story for a survivor girl. Exactly. She's, you know, she's struggling with PTSD and things like that. And so, uh, it, it's really great. I, I had a small part in it, but that movie, the, the star of the movie, her name's Ashley Thomas. She's going to be phenomenal. Uh, Mike's doing a wonderful job with it. Uh, he has a fantastic
fantastic crew. Everybody that I've seen on the on the movie so far is great. So it's nice to it's nice to be a day player and go in and you know and, and have a few fun scenes and, and make your mark and then leave. Um, and those but those guys are just doing a great job. So I just really wanted to kind of put that over. And I believe that it'll be out later on, at the, or actually in the first of next year. So we'll try to keep tabs on that. Maybe bring Mike D and a couple of those guys on the show. They'll be talking about it. Hashtag supporting the films. Absolutely. So uh, you can find us at Scary Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And um, let's see. We're going to do Mama next week. That'll be fun. Uh, go full circle with the Muschietti uh, for the year. And hey, man, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Uh, hope you enjoy your holiday and festivities. And seriously, if you're needing something to do, if you're a horror fan and need something to do uh, after your Thanksgiving meal is over, let it digest first and then watch Killer Christmas. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So hey, for Jeff Wright, this is Derek Zoo uh, reminding you to be aware of killers with Santa masks, blind men with turkey basters, and clowns and sewers, and also white people with teacups. Bye-bye, man. <laughs> <laughs>